Hey, welcome back to the show. It is absolutely great to have you for another preseason episode of Talking Out Loud. Tonight on the show, just me and Blackburn going to be talking about a lot of the things that fans end up talking about in the preseason. Namely, what's going to happen with the Dayton Flyers this year. Uh, Most of the conversation tonight is going to be centered around an article in The Athletic about Dayton that we will get to later on in the show. And then uh, we want to talk about a few other things like roster construction, who's going to get minutes, what do we know, what don't we know. But rest assured, we got a whole hour of Dayton Flyers basketball conversation, and it's coming right at you right now. You're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud, the only program on the internet wholly, solely, and dedicatedly devoted to the Dayton Flyers basketball. Welcome in for another episode of Talking Out Loud. I'm your host, Sully, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, co-horse, co-host, co-horse? Co-horse, I like that. Isn't a, a co-horse is also a co-host, is it not? I don't I think you're making up words. I don't know. <laughs> I'm making up words. All right. Well, I mean, the, the opening was good, but it's great to have you back. It's uh, It's been a little bit since you've joined the cast, but uh, the flyer season is approaching as of the night of this recording, 48 days away from Dayton's opener on November 9th against UIC at UD Arena. Surely going to be sold out for a very poor game, but Blackburn, I'm going to switch it up for tonight's episode of Talking Out Loud, and I'm going to hit you right in your goddamn head with trivia to start the episode. Play the music. I know. I know. Here we go. Blackburn, um, I was looking through this, and I was kind of actually interested to to find the answer myself, which is how all great trivia questions are born on the show, as you know. Right. But Dayton is opening the season with UIC again on November 9th. Surely will be sold out. The game will be bad. But got me thinking. How many times has Dayton played a Horizon League foe in regular season play? And I can give you a hint that the Horizon League was formed as the way it is now in 2001. So how many games has Dayton played against the Horizon League? You can even try to give me their record. But, I mean, you probably could guess they haven't lost. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going through it in my head. I know they played Northern Kentucky last year. They did. That's Uh, one. Purdue Fort Wayne. They were not in the Horizon League when they played them. Oh, okay. I know they haven't played Wright State. No, they have not. We can throw that one out. No. By the way, quick segue, and I, I love this shit. I don't know if you saw this, but the Wright State's uh, men's basketball team showed up at a Dayton volleyball game with signs saying, play us. Really? Uh, yeah, you didn't see that? No. Yeah. I must have been out on the internet that day. 
Yeah. Um, I, I saw that. And I was like, you know what? I got to give a major props for that. That's the way to do it. Like you go to their house, you know, take a shit on the, on the front lawn and walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I do agree that I am all in favor of playing right state. If it is entirely, um, if it, if it's like coerced by them, right? Like if we play them because of a reaction to right state, I'm very much for that because we, we'll talk, that, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause like we've talked about on this program, like, okay, here's the pragmatic reasons why this would not work. Here's why we don't need them. Here's why they need us, et cetera, et cetera. It just so happens that this year, right state is good enough where it actually would be a good game, mm-hmm. but I am definitely in favor of them being on the schedule. If the whole situation is coerced by right state and UD's like, all right, fuck it. We'll play them. You know? Yeah. Like, yes. I mean, how, how great would it have been though? If, you know, right state, they're at the game. They got their signs, you know, cowards, you won't play us. And, you know, someone someone texts a UD basketball player and the whole team shows up. And it's just like, you know, uh, West Side Story. <laughs> no, no, just like, you know, just like, you know, mean mugging each other. And then, yeah, like all of a sudden the next day, it's like UD has added one more game to the schedule. No, I got to take it a step further. It'd be way better if the like, you know, volleyball season happens in the fall. Right. And the basketball team typically has off like Friday, Saturday nights in the fall. So it'd be way better if they just showed up. And then they were all like, yo, shirts and skins after this yeah. volleyball game. We're going, we're going to the Rex Flex. We're going over the Rex. We'll get you in five yeah. bucks, but we'll we pay care. for it on our um, card. But I, I thought that was great, man. Because, you know, somebody at Wright State had that idea, had to get everybody on board. And the, the cutest thing, though, is that they had the homemade signs. So yeah. it's like you just picture these like 20-year-old guys in their in their dorms or whatever making signs up. With Sharpies. With Sharpies to break to the Dayton women's volleyball game. Pass, pass the blue, bro. Pass but the anyway, blue. I thought that – I'm surprised you didn't see that because I thought – I was like, I, I support that fully. Like that's, It's okay. I, I paused the trivia music so you can get back to trivia whenever you're ready. All right, so we're talking about how many games has the Dayton Flyer basketball program played against Horizon League. Yeah, correct. And it's this is all regular season, so we're talking non-conference dating back to 2001. 2001. All right, so we're talking about 20 years. I would say they play them every three. I'll, I'll go with 13 times. You know, it's funny you say that because I was also thinking we've played the Horizon League a bunch of times. Yeah. And not. that's incorrect. The Dayton Flyers are suiting up against UIC this year for only their fifth appearance against a Horizon League team. They've only played four games against Horizon League, and two of those or against UIC. There was 2011 against UIC, 2014 against UIC again. We played Detroit Mercy in 2019, yeah. and then NKU last year, last year and that's right. it. 4-0, man. They never played Oakland? No. Nope. I, I mean, not in not in this window. Or if they did, Oakland wasn't know. in the in the Horizon what League. About, what about Uwe Pui? Uwe Pui also was not in the Horizon League when they played them. Man, all right. See, that, that's that's tripping me up. But um, all know. right, that's... That's a lot less than I thought. I agree with you. I know. I was like, I was just kind of shocked by that in general. Um, Cause like IPFW, you brought that one up, right? Like Dayton yeah. opened the season against IPFW um, in 2013, 2014, but they weren't in the horizon league. So did, did I ever tell you about the time I went to the uh, Purdue Fort Wayne game? I think it was maybe two years ago. And the, their head coach used to be my camp counselor uh, in high school. No uh, his, name's, his name's John Kaufman. That's funny. So I, I got like, I bought like pretty good seats. Like maybe, uh, matter of fact, I was in right next to Dr. Eric Spina. You were adamant game. about going to that game specifically. I don't think you ever told me that that was the reason why. Well, that wasn't really the reason. I was coincidental. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. God, it wasn't. 
But I remember it was like earlier in the, you know, early in the year, obviously it was a Saturday night, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like during, during every, and, and I, I, I preface this by saying I'm no longer a teenager. So this behavior is completely unacceptable. It's uncouth. But it's uncouth. But uh, during every time out, I would sit there and yell, stand up like a, a sweaty tooth madman. Going, Kaufman, <laughs> Kaufman, <laughs> and like I got, I got my my then girlfriend, now wife, like sitting there, just like, what in the hell is going? I got the old sweaters turning around, looking at me like I'm an insane person. Well, yeah, because you can't, you can't like yell obscenities when you're down there. I wasn't, the, I, I was just yelling his last name. Yeah, no, but you can't really yell in general when yeah, you're I down know. there. <laughs> no, I know. You know? I know, if you show too much emotion or you stand up at the wrong time when it's not like a defensive stand, the lower bowl will let you know that it's time to sit down and be respectful to the boys on the floor. Yeah, and know. then like I remember we were sitting next to an older woman, and I explained the situation, like, oh yeah, you know, I went to high school uh, in Atlanta with that guy was my. Uh, you know, camp counselor. Um, and she looked at me like, yeah, like kind of like you did, like, wait, you came all this way to yell, <laughs> to, <laughs> to yell at, at a kid who probably doesn't even remember you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm having a fun time. <laughs> uh, just another weekend in Dayton, Ohio that we're ready to get back to, frankly. Um, Gem City, Gem City. Yeah, you know, and I talked to Larry last week, you know, shameless plug, if you haven't listened to the episodes from last week, did an interview with Jordan Cyber and another one with Larry Hanskin to get the season kicked off. This is episode three now of Talking Out Loud as we get into the 2022 season. But, um, you know, Larry shared some some points that were pretty obvious, echoed some sentiment that I had, obviously. And of course, the main being that he's ready to get back in the arena and have some fans there. And, um, you know, I don't think it's lost on anyone that Dayton was a step behind where they normally are just because of the loss of the fans. Uh, number one, and obviously number two, when you start struggling and then you don't have the fan support, it, it can kind of compound um, your glaring, uh, glaring issues. But yeah, you know, I'm ready to get back in the arena. I think I don't, I can't be there opening night, but Blackburn, I think it's fair to say, you know, th- there was a, a gaping hole last year where college basketball should have been, and then they try to fill it, but there weren't arenas full. And, you know, I think I, I now that we've gotten to the season's approaching for 2022, I think it's gotten more and more apparent to me how little respect I've given to the whole last college basketball season in terms of, like, the results, right? Like, I'm kind of willing to hand wave everything we just saw the last year for a lot of reasons. But that's where I wanted to start the show tonight is that, they're, the season now is under two months uh, away, and I, I, I'm doing more and more looking back and, and kind of putting on my retrospective glasses to last season, and I can't help but, but hand wave a lot of it because it was just such um, it was such a deflating year for the fan base. It was such a deflating year for the team, and they were bound to have a letdown, and then when things didn't go their way, they were bound to have another letdown because of the year that preceded it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question because I'm I'm not I'm not certain everybody necessarily expected a lot from last season. I know I certainly didn't. Uh, I thought they were maybe a borderline tournament team, but if, you know, I think I said before the season last year they would not make the tournament. You did, yeah. Um and I was proven correct. Yeah, you were. But um yeah, I mean we were talking about before we started tonight, like last season really was a blur in, in so many 
regards. I mean, there were, you know, the canceled games. Um, it's hard to even remember who was on that team at this point. You know? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, like for real, it's like, and I, I was thinking about this right as you were talking, like did Chase Johnson played last year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Right? He did. Like he I, did. I, I didn't want to speak out of ignorance and be, and say like, you know, we lost Chase at the at the midpoint of the season. Well, if you talked about the last two seasons, you would be correct in either <laughs> oh, one. <true>. So, yeah. <laughs> Good point. He left at the same You're like, time. Which, which, we're, we're, I'm like, yeah, he quit in the middle of the year. You're like, which year? Which like, year are we quit. talking about here? Yeah, multiple. But, uh, but yeah, it's it just it's all such a blur and. You know, I was going over the schedule earlier, and I forgot how many canceled games there were. And yeah, you were talking about the fact that we played who VCU at was it at GW? No, we played GW at George Mason. At Mason, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So there was just so much weird shit going on. And quite frankly, it, last year, I mean, we saw kind of a college football a little bit, but to a lesser degree. It really didn't feel like a real season. You know what I mean? Because Week to week, shit was changing. The COVID stuff was affecting the schedule. Who was playing? Um, that being said, it, it, you know the tournament still felt real, and it was nice to see an NCAA tournament again. Um, I'll be you know in front of like an empty gym, but um, yeah, yeah. Last year was I mean, look, even the NCA is telling the kids, look, last year didn't really count. You got your eligibility, you know, you got another year of eligibility out of it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's yeah. like even they're conceding. It's like, eh, it wasn't really a year. Yeah, and, and that like that's exactly what I was getting at of why um, I'm not really willing to to kind of harbor uh, like anger towards how last season panned out. You know, I think it's it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely kind of my duty here on the podcast to lay out the fact that I just I think that it was not lost on the guys that they were going to be worse, and then when they were a lot worse, and then when they started losing, it was like. Oh man, fuck. Remember how good we used to be, you know, and, and we try to treat the guys like, oh, they don't have that mindset, but it's like, you're a human being. You're going to look at that LaSalle and Fordham games and be like, Jesus, like we were 18 and 0 in the, in the a 10 last year, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think this season is, is great for a lot of reasons. Um, it, it certainly will mark the kind of the second part of Grant's tenure here at UD. How many parts we have, I, I don't know. Um, but it's a perfect end point for the era that we just walked out of. And frankly, that era started when Grant got on campus. And um, we're going to get to in the back half of the show here, an article from Eamon Brennan, who writes for The Athletic. He did a really good deep dive on Dayton on The Athletic. If you missed it, go check it out. But again, we'll get to it here um, for the meat and bones of the show. But he pointed out the fact that in AG's first year, Dayton's adjusted efficiency was 172. If you're not familiar with that ranking, it's generally a composite that takes offensive and defensive ratings and puts teams all against each other in Ken Palm. Okay, so Dayton was 172 in year one, 62 in year two, and then, of course, six in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency or just total efficiency rather um, in 2020 before taking a step back to 77th last year. So all that to say, Blackburn, um, I think now that is the first era of AG and it's now over. But I think if you look back on those four years, and, and here's one of the questions I wanted to start with on this discussion tonight, is that if this is the blueprint for Anthony Grant, like every four years, we're going to have a really good team, maybe not 2020 good, but we'll have a ranked really good team. 
in one of the other two years, we'll have like an NCAA tournament caliber team, and then we'll have to blow it up and start over. I'm not necessarily saying that we have to do that. I think Dayton's at a plateau where we can recruit good enough now, or we can recruit well enough now, recruit good enough. I think we can recruit well enough now that we don't really ever have to take a huge step back. But if that is the pattern that Dayton ends up falling into, is that good enough for you or no? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I know. And I, it weighs on me too of like, what is good enough? Cause we say like, Oh, we're going to contend every year, man. We're going to be in the tournament every year. But I really don't think that any Dayton basketball fan like truly believes that even just at this juncture, maybe in a yeah, couple of years. You know what? It's funny. Cause I, I feel like we have this, what has it been 11 years or whatever? I don't even know. Yeah. But I feel like this has been a discussion at the beginning of every season, as far as, define what the expectations are at Dayton, you know? Yeah. And, well, and let's get moment, to the tournament. Let's be honest. In in every singular year, it's get to the tournament. That's my point. I guess that's, that's the goal. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, is that feasible? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we've seen with Anthony Grant, certainly it's not. I mean, you know, uh, only really had one shot at the tournament uh, back in 2020. The rest have just been kind of washes, you know? So obviously if we're going by that test, Anthony Grant has failed horribly. Yeah. Um, well, let's put it this way. If the next four years are one tournament appearance, that that's unacceptable for sure. I agree because, you know, we I think we talked about this at the end of last year, how the transfer portal is going to change. And we've already seen it's changing college athletics uh, like nothing we've ever seen before. Sure. And Dayton is primed and, and in a good position, I think, to get some of the big, you know, the power five scraps. Um, because, you know, it, it offers a lot of the things that these kids are looking for, but not necessarily, they're not really necessarily good enough to play 25 minutes uh, in, in, a, in a power five conference. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, like Kamara, for instance, I, I would, I, he's good enough to play in the power five, obviously. But I, I was going to say, he's not scraps, but we definitely right. did get him from power five. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, if, if Grant... And if Dayton stays attractive enough, and again, this means you have to be consistent and you have to be a winning program. Um, if they can, you know, keep that going, they should be a very attractive landing spot for a lot of kids who are kind of downgrading from Power Five programs. Yeah, but that that also that's an issue because Grant can also lose three or four players next year. Yep. You know, this season, and that's another thing we talked about how. You know, this isn't just affecting the Power Five schools where kids are looking for more opportunity to play, more time, et cetera, et cetera. It's also actually in affecting mid-major and even lower major schools mm-hmm. where the season doesn't pan out the way they thought it would. Um, and, and as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, the NCAA still has not put out a ruling saying if you transfer, you must sit out a academic calendar year no they have not reversed course on that yet so as of right now you know the day of this recording september 22nd 2001 you can transfer and do whatever yeah you can play right away yeah and as far as i know there hasn't even been an indication that they're even uh going to discuss this you know this this rule or if they're even going to address it or vote on it it just seems like everybody's comfortable with the fact that um it's 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 an option and it is what it is and it's a new reality it's almost like the NCAA feels like they can't take it back from the kids now. Like, well, you... it's that is definitely a toothpaste and tube type of situation. Right, because right. then now you're talking about, well, you know, you're kind of vi- not violating your rights necessarily, but 
you're, you're kind of taking away our, our right of mobility and our, you know, you're taking a year away from us. And even though you, you get the scholarship, um, the kids want to play right away. Long story short is that the transfer portal, I think, for a school like Dayton is going to be so key. And the roster, you know, the, the, the changeover every year is going to be dramatic, I think. Yeah. I mean, you look at the roster from last year to this year. I mean, my God, man, it's, it's not even the same team. Um, and I think you're going to see that a lot with UD. So I think for Anthony Grant to be successful, he's going to have to deal with the, the losses. You know, he's probably going to lose three or four guys just because that's the nature of the business now. But if he can fill those guys with three or four kids who are ready to play on day one, then they remain competitive and they still have an edge over the rest of the conference, I think. Which I think is the main point that everybody can start to think about as fans, I guess, as we go into the the season is that if we do it successful this year where Grant has capitalized on the transfer portal and recruited well, there's our blueprint for the future, right? That's kind of what we should be looking at this year because this, this coming season is the proving ground for that formula. And I think that Anthony Grant obviously has proved that he can recruit well. Like we just had the best recruiting class ever. There's the proof is in the pudding there. Um, but you're right. The there is we're we're definitely embarking on a new era of college basketball, for better or for worse. And where you stand on this, um, you know, it differs for a lot of people. For me, I, I I'm back and forth on the transfer thing. I think the NIL rule, name, image, and likeness, I think that was fine. You know, kids should be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness if they if they can. Not many can, right? But we're definitely heading into a new era of college basketball, and you nailed it. Dayton fans definitely need to get ready for the reality that there is not going to be any more Keith Wallace-Kowski, Ramad Marshall, Sean Finn teams taking people to the to – the, uh, NCAA tournament, you know, we're not going to have senior laden teams anymore or like, you know, three or four seniors in a lineup leading teams anymore. I don't think that's going to be how Dayton's going to be successful. And frankly, I don't think people should want Dayton to be successful that way anymore, because if we are, that means we're not recruiting high enough for guys that to take the next step before their senior year. Right. And there's something to be said for finding five guys that stick it out all four years. I just think we're headed into a landscape where that's no longer going to be possible. And I, this team is not going to be um, an exception to that rule. Um, I was going to mention it later in the show, but what we do know about this team is that I, you can tell me, I, you can write it down right now if you're listening to this and not driving. If you're driving, don't write anything down. Just focus on driving. But if, if you're listening to this, Right now in September, Dayton will have at least two guys transfer from this team. At, oh, at least, least I would say I would say at least three. Yeah. Probably four. Yeah. Um, but before we do get to more of the bulk of our show, I did want to do that segment, Blackburn. So let's back up before we pass over it, because I and I challenge all listeners to do the same thing right now. That's why I thought it'd be a very entertaining segment. And the segment has to do with the three most memorable moments of last season of Dayton basketball. It doesn't have to necessarily be a great moment. Just what were the three things you remember most about last season? And I will start while I give you some time to think and chew on this a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Three things I remember the most are the LaSalle loss at home, the Fordham <laughs> loss at home, and I remember beating SLU when they came back from a month hiatus because that game 
was just a perfect microcosm of last season of college basketball. Like a team way better than Dayton, had to take a month off, caught a loss to a Flyers team that was reeling and just crappy, but they got back on track because St. Louis didn't really have their wheels greased, right? It was a perfect microcosm. And a close, very close um, fourth place uh, was Dayton getting absolutely dump trucked at VCU. I remember that one specifically because I did my radio show at Tim's and then I, you know, I was kind of fired up for that one. Cause I was like, Oh, the radio show's going well. We're at Tim's I'm watching live and all these students are super fired up. And then, you know, it, it was terrible. So <laughs> Blackburn, I ask you, what were the three most memorable moments of last season for you? Well, you, you took the, the obvious one and I'll just echo it. It, it was definitely losing to, Fordham and LaSalle yeah. in a week. I, I feel and like then, that. Well, we can lump those together if you want to choose. Yeah, I'm going ones. to. Because yeah. they happened within one week. I mean, <laughs> it, it was such a gut punch because it was like, <laughs> the, remember the Fordham loss? It was like, oh my God. Like, this is the thing that we, we've been making fun of ECU on uh, on Twitter about for years. I mean, it's know? our yeah. it was our shtick. It our was shtick. a shtick, right. Yeah. And now we went out and did it. We, we lost to Fordham. Yep. And then, but in the back of your head, even though, you know, Dayton wasn't a good team at that point, you're thinking, all right. This, the, the ship will get, you know, they'll straighten the, sh- the, the ship out here. And then, yeah, the, the ultimate gut punch the next, the next Saturday, I guess, to LaSalle. You're like, my God, man. Like, we were talking about before the cast uh, went on tonight. Like, that might not happen again for I – might not, I might not live long enough to see that happen again where they lose to LaSalle and Forum. See, you just did it, though. This is exactly why I'm having this exercise on the podcast. And again, listeners, think about the most memorable moments for you. You just said a Saturday, right? Neither of those games happened on Saturday, number one. Number two, LaSalle (laughs) happened before Fordham. (laughs) Did it really? (laughs) Yeah. LaSalle happened on a Wednesday night at UD Arena. And then the following Tuesday, they went and they lost at Fordham. But you're right. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to wager a guess that it's going to be... Shit. I actually I don't even know if we'll ever if like we will see a Dayton program lose the forum again. I really think it was that that ridiculous. I don't yeah, think it'll I mean, happen again. I really don't. College basketball might not exist. <laughs> before I think a- Fordham is more likely to go to the Metro Atlanta conference yes. than they yes. than they are to beat Dayton anytime soon. And you know they might lose a date. Do they play for them this year? I don't even remember. Uh, well, yeah, do. you got to got to play them. You yeah. Know. Oh yeah, play them at least once. True. Um, yeah, but they get them yeah. at home this year. So, but know. anyway, but that that was <laughs> Takes the that was out of it. that was one of those those like experiences where like it was so laughable to go from like the best season ever to the next season losing to Fordham and LaSalle in the same week. Yeah, that was insane. It, it really was. But it, I think it was a good dose of reality for everybody as well it was for me <laughs> it was like good lord man like last year was a fluke let's be honest yeah but um it was for me and like like you said it's all it's all a, a mix up in my head as far as what happened last year when it happened who it happened to i don't know well, i'm glad but you I'm, did that because then i could really hammer home my point but let's yeah. for the sake of the discussion let's let's lump those together and say that's number one the week of losing to LaSalle and losing to fordham and then pick you can pick two others and then I would say the the St. Joe's game. Um, what happened that one? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me what happened. Okay, and for the listeners, before you tell the story about Joe's, and I, I'm sincere when I ask Blackburn what happened in that one because last week when I was talking to Larry Hansgen and he said, "Oh yeah," and and remember we played GW at George Mason. I referenced it at the top of the podcast. 
when Larry said that, I had completely 100% forgot that that had happened. It's, it's, it's like this. I don't know. It's like a mental block or maybe I, I'm just trying to repress how poor the season was. But anyways, what happened in the St. Joe's game? Black <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you probably don't remember the, this is more of a personal one to me because uh, up, there was a buildup that week, believe it or not. There's uh, hype. But we did, we discussed it. And I remember I watched a couple of St. Joe's games and, you know, they played that kind of wide open, kind of attractive basketball that I think uh, a lot of people enjoy. And I remember discussing it and saying, you know what? And they, they, I think they were, I think, did St. Joe's win an 8-10 game at that point? I don't recall. I know, Shit, I, I know, know. obviously Fordham did because they, they beat Dayton uh, the first week of the season. But uh, maybe St. Joe's had like one win. They were they were one and nine heading into that game. I had to look right. it up. I, I, never, I just looked up the result for my own yeah. reference. <laughs> but I remember, I, I remember like, I remember like seeing St. Joe's a couple times and being like, look, they play like a really good, dis- not disciplined, but like a European team that just, yeah. you know, three seconds, boom, get a shot up. Run and gun. Right. And I, I remember saying on the podcast, I was like, you know, I, you guys probably, this is probably a little silly one and it's kind of a hero pick, but I think St. Joe's is going to beat Dayton. And you obviously don't remember the game, but St. Joe's came out on fire. I mean, <laughs> Taylor Funk, I think, hit like, you know, I think he finished like 40 points or something, but whatever. He, 30, was on fire. he had 36 and he was 11 36. for 11 from the line. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, he was on fire. Uh, the kid that almost left, was it Jordan Hall? He was hitting threes. Remember, you obviously had Ryan Daly knocking the shit down. Yep. But I remember they built a lead of like 20 in the first half. And then Dayton, I think, got it down to like single digits. And then St. Joe's just stepped on the gas again and just blew them out the, the gym. I think they ended up winning about like 20 or something. I forget what the final was. The final of this game Maybe. that you're referencing was 97-84 St. Joe's. And okay, again, so- I'm not speaking as a person who, who's like an authority on this game. I'm speaking as a person who went and looked up the results for the right. podcast because I'm a diligent radio host, all that. But I remember just thinking it exposed so much of the problems of what this Dayton team was last year. They, yeah. they had no depth. Perimeter defense was awful. Um, they didn't have a lot of guys. They couldn't rebound. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of it just it was it was if you want to watch one game last season, kind of exposing all the the weaknesses of the Dayton team, that was the one for me. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this was the game, and I don't know this to be certain, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that when Dayton went down 20 in the first half, I shut it off and I was like, I'm not doing this to myself. I'm not going to do it's this. It's possible. It's possible. And and as bad as the LaSalle Forum losses were. This was a game, and again, like you said, St. Joseph's one and nine in the A ten at that point. They were two and Dayton, fourteen overall. Dayton was completely outclassed. It looked like <laughs> seriously, it looked like they didn't even belong on the same floor with them. Yeah, and it was just such an eye opener. Like, not only has this team not improved, they've regressed. You know, this was late in the year. It was like end of February, I think, maybe the second to last game, something like that. And it was like, wow, this team just did not get any better at all. Yeah. And then, of course, the next game they went to Bonaventure. And right, and that's that's the one. That's the that's my last one. That was the third one. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was a sweet one because I think that was Bonnie's senior day. Yeah, that was an honorable mention, uh, memorable day. Like I remember vaguely that we beat him in like a slug fest, and it was like Terrible. the last game we played of the year. Yeah, yeah. Then I think VCU canceled. Yeah, correct. Like twice or whatever. Anyway, but that Bonnie's game was great because. All the Bonnie fans were chirping last year about, you know, being so dominant in the A-10 and this, that, and the other. And then this shitty Dayton team coming off a loss to St. Joe's goes to their place in Oleon uh, and beats them on senior night. And it had to be 
the, the thing I liked about that game that I enjoyed so much is that it had to be a moment where Bonnie fans realized we, this really is a counterfeit team. This team is it's all smoke and mirrors. It's not as good as we're pretending it is. And hence, you know, they went out and uh, they, they went to the tournament and got their got curb stomped by LSU in the first round, which was I was very happy to see. Yeah. But it, it was kind of like Dayton was kind of like the, uh, you know, the Fordham, if you will. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're thinking you're Bonaventure like, oh, my God, this team's coming off a loss to St. Joe's. They lost to Fordham and LaSalle. This is great. You know, we're to beat them on, you know, on senior day and all the momentum. But I think that was such a gut punch to them. And it was kind of an eye opener. And, and, and I really enjoyed that win because uh, it was ugly as hell. And uh, it, it, I think it was kind of a moment where Bonaventure fans were like, all right, you know, this team isn't uh, as good as the hype we've been giving them. Yep. And of course, they went and won the A10 tournament anyway. But and That's fine. They got their ass kicked by LSU. That's they a, did. They did. Yeah, I, so. I enjoyed that game immensely, both financially and spiritually. <laughs> yeah. Which we, we're often known to do. Yeah. So if you had, uh, if you have three uh, different moments or any different moments last season, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Sully My Good Name and, and tell me what they were because I'm, I'm actually very, I'm, I'm very, um, curious. Or if you even remember three moments from last year, yeah, any three, yeah, um, anything. You, maybe you have a story, yeah, maybe you have a story at Talking Out Loud or at Sully My Good Name. Just mention us, and, and you know that, that'll be fine. Because I'm, yeah. I'm very curious what your stories are out there, Flyer Nation. Um, again, wanted to get to this, uh, for the program tonight, and this is a, a bit of a filler week. Uh, again, we're 47 days out by the time this episode is released from the Flyers first game, but we're going to keep doing episodes every week because there's always plenty of things to talk about in Dayton Flyerland, even if the news cycles are not churning as quickly as they do during the season. Um, but with that said, again, even Brennan put out a really good article on the athletic and Blackburn, I think you agree with me that. It was one of the first times that I had read an article about Dayton basketball where everything was correct, everything was well-researched, and it was really a deep dive into the program. And, you know, I think we see so many of these basketball previews every year that are written by, like, people that have been employed by SB Nation. And and they don't really do their homework. They're just like, oh, they lost a lot of guys. Oh, they're bringing back some guys. They got some transfers. People don't really know. And so I encourage Flyer fans to go out and read this if you haven't because it was extremely well-researched, and I thought he did a great job on it, so I did want to spend some time on the cast talking about it tonight, but I, I feel like you agreed with me in that front. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those rare instances where a national writer not only covered the team in, in great depth. You know, if you pick up one of those preview magazines, you might get 500 words about Dayton, and it's like you yeah. said, this guy's coming back, here are the key departures, here's what we expect, blah, blah, blah. But the one, the one in the athletic, I think was, and this isn't, this isn't saying that much, but I think it was the best uh, preview article of, of Dayton that I've ever ever read by certainly a national uh, reporter. Um, yes. It just it, it covered so many things, and and as a person who's not even quite familiar with who's on the team yet, <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like it was a deformative read, you know. And the interesting thing is like. We are putting a lot of not I wouldn't say pressure, but we are I think there's a lot of expectation that Kamar is gonna come in right away and be not an Obi Toppin, obviously, but of that ilk where he's getting 18, 11 one night and then twenty one and ten the next. And that might be true. But you know, he kind of covered it in his articles, uh, his article about how 
the the point guard spot seems a little iffy. And this is something I, I was wondering about. Um, obviously, Scoochie Smith holds a, a dear place in every UD fan's heart, right? He's the original big balls guy. Um, so many great moments with him as, as a leader, kind of the face of the program. Sully, what if Malachi Smith sucks? Yeah, been thinking about that more and more now. Right? I can't, I can't, yeah. Whatever, I, 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 seriously, while I was reading his article, he briefly discussed um, – Briefly. Two yeah. sentences maybe. And, and it was, of course, you know, he's Scoochie Smith's brother out of the Bronx, blah, 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 blah. But I remember thinking, like, there's going to be so much support for this kid at first just because of his bloodline. But if, if he's kind of terrible, it's going to be this awkward – I, I just don't I want to see him do not necessarily great but just good enough where he's not a, an issue and I don't want to see him leave I, I don't want to see the Smith family have a bitter taste in their mouth because of the way you know the experience that he had at UD as opposed to his older brother you know? I, I agree with you I agree so it's like it's not even this isn't even a basketball thing this is more of like an internal nervousness I have where it's like I just want this kid to do well. So he can be embraced as much as his brother was. You know yeah, because I mean? we don't want like we don't want to be making John Crosby as Scoochie Smith's brother right. type of jokes. <laughs> you know, I don't want to make those jokes. I don't get a whole lot of enjoyment out of stuff like that. All right, I but don't. it's it's going to be so fun because I think he's going to be given so much leadway uh, in for the sure. Beginning of the year, you know, what I mean, he'll obviously. be given that runway of oh, he's just a freshman. He'll figure right. and, it out, and he's probably going to be maybe the maybe the third point guard, depending on where Elvis, uh, first of all, we got a guy named Elvis. Yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty great. If you didn't know. Kobe yeah. Now Elvis. you know. Um, yeah, we don't know how the, the depth chart is going to break down, obviously, but I, I don't see him playing all that much time, uh, the first season. So that might be good, but yeah, I'm just, I'm hoping and praying he holds his own and, uh, it doesn't, there's not going to be an awkward divorce come, uh, March and April. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you brought up that was important that I, I always feel a need to drive home because we bring it up a lot on the cast is that the, having national writers put stuff in The Athletic about Dayton is one of the plateaus that we always talked about getting to as a program in that you you need to matter. There needs to be buzz about your program. And for one reason or another, and I think most of it's because of the year we had in 2020, People now give Dayton a great deal of success as a program or a great deal of recognition for having success as a program. Sorry. And it's it's slightly unwarranted. It really is. Let's just call it what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have two years where we won tournament games. Dayton has not won an NCAA tournament game since the 2015 season, which is a quite quite long ago now. I recognize there is a nice big asterisk on that, but. You know, Dayton really hasn't won a whole lot to be talked about with top programs in college basketball. However, for one reason or another, and, and a lot of it's because we host a lot of tournament games, we have a great arena, we have a diehard fan base, Dayton does get a little bit more propping up now than they ever did because people kind of were like, oh, yeah, cool, I guess have a great arena. It's like, yeah, we know you have the good fans. We got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that our perception or the perception of the program has been elevated. Now it's a bit of a different conversation, right? And that's what we keep talking about. Like that matters being in the ranking, seeing your name 
every week in the rankings, having guys talk about your program, having guys want to dissect, having guys, I mean writers, want to dissect your team and talk about your guard play or why you can't rebound, you know. Those are all really important things in college basketball for recruiting purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And and when, you know, recruiting is eventually going to manifest itself into wins. So I just want people to be cognizant of the fact that all this pub that Dayton's starting to get preseason or, you know, if they're getting buzz at all, it, that's just nothing but good things. And it just says that maybe they have taken a comfortable step up as a program where it's no longer, oh, yeah, they'll be one of the other teams in the A-10. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think like I, I was sitting there, and I got the alert on my phone. You know, the little Atlantic uh, alert pops up, and it's like you know Dayton. I was like, holy shit! Like, is this? And then sure enough, I looked at it. And saw it was even Brennan. And I was like, wow, this is like a national writer. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is kind of a respect thing because in the past, and I know everybody has seen this. You'd read an article, uh, you know, previewing the season, and they'd have, oh, and you know. Um, Jalen Crutcher is back, you know, and he, it's like, no, he's not. Or he, you know, yeah, there's always something incorrect. <laughs> it's, it's smooth. It's a Snooky Smith or, you know, it's like, there's just always something that's fucked up. And it kind of, it, <laughs> it's kind of like obvious. This guy didn't take the time or uh, enough, you know, care in, and you're right. It's almost like a smack in the face where it's like, well, look, I got to write a national preview uh, for Dayton. Let me just look up who they lost, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But this is the first time I can remember where everything was accurate, the impression he got from you know last year and 2020 was accurate, um, and it was a great breakdown. It was the first time where you felt like it, someone's it, paying attention, right? To our and program. It's, and it's like you said, it's big time program shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're going to do the same thing for for Kansas. They're going to do the same thing for Duke and, and Kentucky. So Dayton, I'm not saying they're they're on that level. They're obviously not. No, but th- but if respect, we want to be, this is how you start, right? right like, but, but it, 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 you're right. It indicates. Maybe a little bit of a hangover, uh, hangover from 2020, certainly. But the respect factor is there at this point. You know what I mean? It's a legitimate yeah. program. People see that. Um, even though last year was a complete abortion of a season, yeah, I, I think 2020 is still factoring in. Believe it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the <laughs> I, I wanted to uh, highlight the one part of the article that I got a, a really good laugh at, and it was right at the beginning. Um, this is a quote from the article, and it said Dayton. A proud program with a diehard fan base and a history of some success. Of <laughs> <laughs> some success. Yeah. I was like, that is the most perfect description of Dayton basketball I've ever heard in my life. A proud program with a diehard fan base and a history of some success. That is Dayton you know, basketball. One sentence. But that's better because it used to always be Dayton basketball uh, a proud you know traditional program with a diehard fan base that saw success back in the 50s and 60s yeah exactly you know? <laughs> it, it was kind of like that oh that's right it's 50 years ago oh shit like my yeah. dad missed those years yeah yeah, yeah. um but so past that i guess but to uh you know to take everything that was said in this article again and go, go read it cause it's, it's worth your time um one of the main takeaways i saw dayton has the third highest number of freshmen and returning freshmen in the country. They have 11. There's only two teams in the country who have more freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen. I said returning freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Now, Sully, I, I would cut in and ask you real quick. Yeah. Do you like the idea that Anthony Grant has one of the youngest teams in the nation next year, this year? Oh. That's a yes or no question. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah. Um, 
He I, needs he needs experienced dudes to be successful. Yeah, he does because the numbers at the end of the game speak for themselves. Yeah. Um he, he doesn't he doesn't always play the numbers as to, you know, what plays to call, when to call timeouts, how to play end of game situations. The numbers are there. The win probabilities, you can you can look at them. Um, you know, he just doesn't really manage end of game well. And he got away with it a lot in 2020 because he did have guys uh, like Mike Sell and Landers who had been there a long time. And then guys like Crutcher and Toppin who had played a lot of games by that point and all together where they're, you know, it's like a Phil Jackson Bulls type of situation. There's only so much coaching that needs to go into that before you just let guys make plays. Right. right? And, and it, it helps when you're winning games by 14.8 per, you know, points a game, yeah. whatever. And we, and we talked about points. a lot in that season that like Dayton... Not a lot of coaching. Yeah, like Dayton didn't have a lot of close games in general anyways. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a problem in that fans of the program know what he has done at the end of the game. And the fact that youth has never really been his strong suit up to this point... So, yeah, I mean, there's there's genuine questions about the team. And so that, of course, leads me into the last segment of the night that I wanted to, to do. And the last segment of tonight is called, What Do You Know? Blackburn, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. What do you know about the Dayton Flyers? And I think I already mentioned the first one in the, the cast today. First thing that I know about the Dayton Flyers, absolutely unequivocally, is that at least two members of this team will be transferring at the year's end. And maybe it won't even take year's end. So, Blackburn, I want you to give me, before you give me something you don't know, what do you know about this team? Uh, I know that there. it's – I'm not sure they have a go-to scorer right now. You know, a, a sure. creator, sure. you know? Um, and every team, particularly in the mid-major level, needs that guy. Um, Elijah Weaver, could he be that guy? I don't know. Um could, could Kamara is not really a go-to scorer, you know. They almost uh, they might need him to be. They he, he might yeah he, they might need him to be. That's true. Um, I I just don't know. I mean, it, it's just so interesting to see how this all shakes out because you have a roster now where theoretically you could play twelve guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean? I think we will see twelve guys in the first two weeks of the season before Thanksgiving for sure. So for me, that's the most intriguing thing about this this. The season is to see how it's all new. It's all it's, new, it's, but it, it's just like it's insane because we're so used to the past couple of years where it's like maybe you go eight in a game, maybe you go nine in a game. This is a year where he's got three point guards. Yeah, you know, this is a year where he he can conceivably go six, seven, eight, nine deep into the bench. Well, not nine, two but, lines. Uh, I mean, he could have two. Lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you, you could. I was looking at the roster. He could conceivably play thirteen guys. Yeah. Um. And none of them would be bombs, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, this is going to be a – point being, I think this is going to be a year – it's going to be a tough year for Grant because he's got to manage so many things. You know, you kind of have a lack of leadership now because who steps into the crutcher role? Uh, who's your go-to scorer? How do you figure out um, the minutes? How do you keep everybody happy? How do you work in the freshmen? Yep. I mean, there's just so many goddamn variables. and he's got to be thinking about this and driving himself nuts. Cause you got, you got to try to find those answers soon and quick. So you know, I think Jack- I was going to say, I think your summary is that what you know is there will be a lot of variables. So I'll, I'll give you another one to, while you, you chew on more. Okay. So what do I know? I know that if we see Malachi Smith 
play a lot of minutes by the time conference play starts. Something has gone horribly, horribly wrong with Elijah (laughs) Weaver. That said, I don't know if Elijah Weaver is going to be the guy to play the point all year. And I sincerely, sincerely hope he proves me wrong. But on this day, I know that if we see a lot of Malachi Smith by the time A-10 play starts, it's a bad thing. And I don't know if Elijah Weaver is going to be the guy the full season. And again, I really do hope that that is the case because I think that he is going to be a key piece. I don't think Dayton's going to be like a crap team if he can't put it together and, and the guy turns the ball over a lot. But I, I do think that he's a very key piece in in the cog or, or a cog in the machine, key cog in the machine this year uh, for Dayton to see success and, and frankly for their offense to run smoothly because one of the, you know, you can't take it away from Jalen Crusher. I mean, one of the reasons why the 2020 team was so good was because he always kind of kept things moving. He, he, he was, he was a floor general, you know, and he was unselfish, but he also picked his spots. Right. And, and that's kind of the good balance of a, of a good point guard is Scoochie knew when to pass the ball, but he also knew when he needed to get himself a bucket for the team. And that's always going to be the trade-off. Um, so I guess you've told me what you do know, Blackburn. What, what's one thing that you don't know? I, I don't know how, how much Deron Holmes is going to contribute this year. That's what I keep asking myself. Is he, yeah. is he going to be a guy that just steps onto the floor and scores night one? I don't think so. It's a hard way. So. It's hard to convince yourself of it because, and here's why we've never seen it at Dayton. Really? I mean, you know, Crutcher had pretty good freshman year, right? Staten had a pretty good freshman year, but I mean, they weren't like moving the needle, like winning games for their teams either, right? Well, not only that, but I mean, he's a top 50 recruit. I mean, this is a legitimate elite high school player that yeah. we're, it's the first of, of anything that he's got to be the, the highest recruited player we've ever signed. Yeah. And he's since they've started taking recruiting rankings down. Yes, correct. But and but here's the interesting thing with with him, I think, is that, and I, I don't want to jinx anything, but it might be a situation like I said, where you know you got Mustafa, I guess, would be in front of him as of today, just given the experience. I don't know where he's going to play. I don't know, but if the kid doesn't have an exceptional year, I think there's a good chance he's going to call up. Some of those coaches that were hitting them uh, up earlier that were hitting them up. Yep. And I think he's gonna be an interesting guy to watch because you're gonna want to keep that kid happy. He's gonna want his shots, and I just don't know if there's enough balls right now to go around to make him happy. Well, and again, yeah. I don't know jack shit about this kid. He might be the ultimate team player. He might be willing and able to kind of you know sit back his freshman year. I don't know. My gut tells me that's probably not the case because he's probably used to being the man his entire life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he probably feels on the A10 level, the mid major level, he should be playing, you know, 30 minutes a game and getting 20 shots. So it's going to be interesting to see how he performs and whether or not you can you can detect any frustration with him because he's got to be a guy that you want to keep happy because you know the kid's what six ten with a ton of potential. Yeah. I mean, you just don't get that in in the flyer uniform very often, if ever. From what we know about recruiting rankings, for listeners' sake. We know that this kid should contribute 10 points a night in the A-10. Just what we know on recruiting rankings, right? If they're to yeah. be true, because all the guys that are in the top 100 typically can come into the conference and contribute significantly in the first two years. 
So if you're looking for something to like have solace about or, you know, just be like, oh, I want some good news in this bad news sandwich. The good news is that if we are to trust the recruiting rankings and they're they're right more often than they're wrong, to be honest with you, especially in basketball, football is kind of a crapshoot basketball they they tend to be at least in the ballpark um so if they're in that right ballpark yeah we should see him start on night one he should be a regular rotation guy and he should be giving us about 10 to 15 points a night by the time conference play starts it's a lot to ask of a freshman i'm just saying it's logical to expect that from him so that was my last point, and, and what I do not know, and what I do not know is what the freshmen are going to give us right away. Um, it feels like it's been a long time since uh, Mally Smith committed. He was the first one, and then oftentimes I forget about Caleb Washington, who was one of the Flyers' biggest recruits in his own right, but he's been getting overshadowed because of home. So, uh, you know, if you if you want to nail me down on X factors right now, or like three things to take away from preseason conversation. It's that we really don't know if Weaver is going to be the man. Um, we really don't know what our freshmen are going to give us, but I'm pretty sure Amzil and Kamara are going to be the key pieces of the team. If you really nail me down, I just don't see any other formula f- with what I've seen from both of those guys. I think they're both going to be the key dudes in the team, and then everybody else is going to have to find their roles after that. So, Sully, the big, big question here. Is this the year that Sissoko finally steps up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I actually, I, I probably could have written that down as a thing that I do know. I, I do know that Sissoko will be better served by transferring eventually. When that happens is anybody's guess, but um, he will he will not, I don't know. I don't even have to say I think. He will not be contributing significantly to a Dayton Flyers basketball roster now or in the future. I just... I, I know what I've seen. I, I guess he, I know what I've him, seen. And, him and Grant either had the talk and he didn't listen or they never had the talk. You know, <laughs> uh, you know that, that talk you have to have at the end of the season when a guy is, uh, you know, not long for the world. It's, it's hard to find minutes looking up and down this exactly. roster for him. It is hard to find minutes. There's only so many to go around in a game. I mean, he, he might. Oh, this, oh here, he, real quick. This is another fucked up thing we totally forgot, and now it's coming to my memory. See, do we? This should have been my number one. The amount of minutes Christian Wilson got last year. Oh god! Well, that was like Remember an early that? season thing too. That was still weird as hell. Yeah, he got a lot of minutes. Walk on Christian that? Wilson, ton of minutes. That- and we, everybody was wondering. I remember that, that first time on Twitter where he got like 12 minutes. We were like, what in the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> that was like the first red flag of the year. Like, what? what? 53? Who is that? What? Yeah. Uh, it was a long year. But here that we are. Weird. Here we that are. That was weird. I'm ready to turn the page. And uh, I hope after listening to this hour-long episode, you are also ready to turn the page. But ready to turn the page with the correct context on how to view the Dayton Flyer season. And we said it last week when I was talking to Larry Hansgen and, um, you know, even Brennan said the same in, in the athletic is that the expectation throughout the school all the way down to the coaches athletic department to the basketball program is that Dayton makes the tournament. They compete to win the a 10 and they play for the NCAA tournament. So expecting anything less out of this program is, is frankly being disingenuous to what this program is capable of. And that's where we sit, you know, with less than two months to go, that's what the expectation is this year. And if grant falls short, it'll be, you know, zero tournament appearances in five years with the asterisks. And that's just, it's Nishkeet. 
All right. That's no bueno. It's not good. And, um, you know, you, you have to have these conversations about what the expectations are because you need to know what a successful season is. And I think that's all been perfectly outlaid uh, for the Flyer faithful that are willing to listen. Wrapping up the show tonight, Blackburn, we always do final thoughts. Tonight is no different. What do you have final thoughts for the listeners before I take them out with a 90s classic? Final thoughts. Um, let me see here. Sully, you get a lot of hate on the internet. I do. Why do you think that is? I've been wondering about this because unlike my Twitter account, you <laughs> most beloved, you, you don't have a, a lot of you, you almost go out of your way to kind of be vanilla and benign, but yet you still get you still get some hate from people. Like for instance, this week you posted a uh, I think it's a picture of Anthony Grant Jr. getting arrested again. Yeah, and that's you know that's a factual story. It's something that happened. You're it's, not making it's it up. Public record. It's public record. Um, and people were very upset about that, and. For the life of me, I can't understand why, unless they think it reflects poorly on Anthony Grant, and then which reflects poorly on Dayton. But it really doesn't because you know the kid—he's not a kid; he's twenty-five fucking years old. Yeah. Um. So he's a grown man. But I was just trying to wonder why you got so much hate for that because that's a, that was such a you know that, that's a normal occurrence. Yeah. If, if someone's you know if I'm trying to think of an example if Rick Pitino's kid goes out and gets a DUI or well he's a coach but Mark you know Few I mean. just got a DUI like yeah, a couple weeks ago, right? I mean, what happens with these coaches who, by the way, are paid millions of dollars? So let's not pretend that they're you know fucking volunteers. Yeah. Um, I, I just for life of me I could not understand it, and I'm wondering if you have a, any insight into why people were so like like visibly pissed off about it. yeah people are very angry with me about it one guy even went as far as to say i was shitting on him which i don't i i can't for the life of me think why you would think i was shitting on him i was merely like oh shit look anthony grant's son got arrested again you know it's happened before and did we even find out was it was a possession charge you know that's the-, the thing is that i don't care to look into it because what's worse okay me just posting a tweet being like, oh, shit, Anthony Grant's son got arrested or a reporter digging into it and calling Anthony Grant asking for a comment about it. Which well, one's worse? I- so is the alternative to this to just ignore it like it didn't happen? But if you were watching Sam Miller's jail video a couple years ago, I'm sure you laughed at that and shared it. So I guess I just have trouble like drawing these arbitrary lines. But here's my answer for you since you asked. I think that people get pissed because I do make an effort to toe the line. Like, I don't think it's a secret. If you're listening to the end of this podcast, the offseason, you you know, I mean, you're going to say what you want to say on Twitter, right? I've always towed that line. I really have. I've tried really hard to do that. But yeah, I it's think purposeful. That like you, you've gone out of out of your way to do that. I've gone out of my way to toe the line, and like right. most of the things I say on Twitter are either to like rile people up or like it's snarky, and you know I'm just being a dick, you know. It's but like, talk. yeah, but like if you confronted me about it in a bar, I'd be like, ah, dude, I was just being a dick. Like, let's have a beer, and relax, right, you know? right, right. So I think that that people take umbrage with the fact that like. I have not decided to be full on reporter who has to like keep it between the eyes all the time. And here's the <laughs> news. And, and I'm not like an outward. Oh, that guy's definitely a prick. You know, like I'm sure plenty right. of people think I'm a prick. It's fine. 
but fun, yeah. but again like i'm not going to be vanilla either and i did not see the harm in sharing that to the point where when someone was like take the shit down man i was like <laughs> okay i was like all right fine like it's no skin off my ass i don't give a shit you know like if that really offends you like okay i you know i don't know why something like that would offend you other than like you said you're just a big AG guy and you don't want anything bad being said about AG. And, and I guess that's fine too. It's just, I thought it was a fairly factual um, thing to put out there and people like took it as me shitting on the kid. And I, again, I just didn't quite understand that. I was just like, here's a thing that factually happened in the world. So, yeah, I mean, maybe just to show the expectations of our Twitter accounts are different. You put up a, a, a completely just benign and, you know, I said I just, O-H. That's all I said. Right. I put out a, a tweet saying Anthony Grant is a worse fa- father than he is a late game manager. And nobody, <laughs> nobody objected to that whatsoever. It was, it was, it was crickets. It was yeah, literally it was crickets. Going, it was just people like nodding like, yeah, yeah, that's something he would say. Yeah, yeah, Blackburn would say that. Yeah. But again, and you made a good point. And again, this is an indictment on the fucking Daily, you know, Dayton Daily News or the media in Dayton. But, but for Sully putting it out, you would have never heard about it. No. No, and, and I deleted the tweet just because somebody asked me to. And I'm, I'm, you know, as long as you're not a dick and you're like, hey, I think you should take that down. If you play the ass, I'll always take stuff down. I don't, again, I don't care. But, but you were, you hit the nail on the head. I saw you tweeted that, or maybe you said that, where it's like, you know, not that you're a reporter because God, you know, that's not what, what you're here to do. It's more analysis kind of stuff. Not, you know, if there are facts you hear, sure, you'll, you'll pass that along. Yeah, I get rumors all the time. But, but it's like, if you didn't post that, you know, for a fact, Jablo or you know whoever the, whomever they're not going to pick up the phone and, and get a comment from Anthony Grant. No, because you know it, I mean? it just you know and and that I think that's the other thing is that people are like oh well you know if you want to grow the show and and if you want to get inside access and, and I'll be the first to say again we're we're running along on the show but if you stuck around I'll be the first to tell everybody on the show having inside access in the program is absolutely no benefit to me. It never has yeah. been and it never will be. I didn't, you know, get the live show at Tim's because I have inside access. I have I have really good access and I know what's going on just about any any old time, but I don't need to be having like one-on-ones with Anthony Grant to have value on the radio show, right? I don't yeah. I don't need to be having all these like in-depth interviews inside the program and frankly I definitely don't need media credentials because what we do and wh- why what we do is so good is because it's fan reaction. It's fan analysis. If I wanted to be a reporter, I could go and try and be a reporter, but that's not the purpose here. So I think when people are confronted with that reality that I am going to be associated by default with the Dayton program and that I'm not really going with the establishment and the rules laid out, uh, the unwritten rules that are laid out, I I think that that does rub people the wrong way. So I'll just leave it at that, and that's my public statement on the matter, if you will. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just, I, I just thought you got a really bad rap on that because, like you said, you you didn't offer any context whatsoever. It, it really like, didn't. It Here's just, the thing that happened. It's a thing you know, that like, happened, and you yeah. can look into it if you want. I didn't look into it because, again, I don't give a rat's ass if Anthony Grant Jr. got arrested today, tomorrow, or the next day. I don't care if right. it doesn't matter to me. I mean, you know. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I just thought that was that was weird, and I, I I wanted to get your take on it real quick. Well, the humanitarian thing, obviously, I don't wish you know the kid getting arrested, and I hope that he gets the help he needs and doesn't you know end up back in prison. I wish that for everybody, not not just him. I mean, anybody on earth. So, 
yeah. Do you have final thoughts after that? <laughs> that was a weird. That was weird. Final thoughts. That was probably our, one of our weirdest. But yeah, I, I we'll meant to ask you that. I meant to ask you that off the air, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's Let's- fair. I mean, it's fair. Again, I just put up a tweet of you know his his rap sheet of Anthony Grant Jr. getting arrested, and then I deleted it, and now we're talking about it on the podcast. So whatever. I've given it all the attention that it didn't deserve, did or yeah. did not deserve. So right. you can go ahead and close us up with final thoughts, and I'll give mine. Final thought is, um, it's like we, we said repeatedly tonight, it's, this is, for me personally, as long as I've been watching this program, this is the most question mark laden team I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I have no, usually you come into a, a season with expectations uh, as far as the starting lineup, who's going to play who, you know, how many minutes, uh, you know, a, a kind of a general idea of what their final record might be. This team this year, I have absolutely no clue. It's it, and it's kind of fascinating to, to to kind of go into a year like that where there's so many questions. You know, the, the starting lineup might be different from the first game to the last. I don't know, but it's it's going to be kind of a weird roller coaster of a year, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, AG's got to figure it out quickly. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So absolutely, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's gonna be a weird fucking year, I think. Yeah, I and I was gonna wrap up saying the same thing is that um, I'll probably say it many more times before the season starts that I, I am really, really excited about this season for that exact reason is that it's all unknown, right? Like even that first night against UIC, like I just have no clue who's gonna do the scoring. I have a pretty good idea, like who's gonna be the starting lineup, but it's all assumptive. And I think that has me really jazzed. I'm really excited at the potential of this team. I'm definitely as equally as terrified at the bottom and the floor that this team could experience if things start to not go well and they don't mesh. But I think with that said, the bottom for this team is the is a fifth place finish in the A10. I think the ceiling is winning the conference. I don't. I, I wouldn't let anybody else tell you otherwise. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to the journey and how we get there. And, and there's still a long way to go, and a lot of college football, NFL to watch, and uh, a <laughs> World Series because the World Series is always how I mark. Like, all right, college football is right, around, or college basketball is always around the corner after the World Series. Yeah. True. So got a lot to go again. 47 days by the time you hear this um and i'm gonna take the listeners out tonight i I heard this last night and i just man i think i've done it before it's such a good song to take listeners out with but it's creep by tlc it's just a great it's a great song so uh, i'm taking listeners out with creep by tlc uh there are two rules until next week when we meet again right here on talking out loud they are wear red and be loud and we'll catch you then